great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... It is all draft all the time this week as we as we lead up into Thursday. And our next guest, really excited, Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic, crushing it uh, on the draft uh, trail here the last couple of months. I've listened to a bunch of your pods with uh, Dane and Robert Mays and the group. You guys do a great job over at The Athletic. Thank Thanks, you so man. Much. I appreciate it. Thank, yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for sharing some of your knowledge tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, let's, always glad to talk draft, especially this time of year right? when it's really wild. Exactly. Wet and so, wild, as we'll say. <laughs> So we we got to we went through a mock draft exercise just now, and shockingly enough, Lucas Van Ness was available at twenty seven. There's always stuff that's kind of crazy. Okay. Uh, of the four of us that were going taking part in the exercise, uh, Van Ness was a pick. Uh, although I I also argue for Michael Mayer. We can talk about that in a moment. Mozzie Smith out of uh, Michigan was the pick uh, for the other two, and then um, who did John pick, Ryan? Oh. Oh, he went linebacker and Drew Sanders. Oh, yes, Drew Sanders. So thoughts okay. on those prospects? Because obviously the big need, if you're looking for one on the Bills right now, is at middle linebacker. I think you make an argument for a receiver as well, maybe mm-hmm. offensive line. But your thoughts on those four players and, you know, if Van Ness, somebody of that caliber is on the board, is that like a run to the podium type of situation? What's your take on the prospect? If, yeah, if Van Ness is down there that far, then that's absolutely. Because I, I don't think that's going to happen. Like that seems to me, I and I... That's one of those guys to me that's like, we'll see on, you know, on the weekend because, you know, I work super close with Dane, obviously, and he's been way ahead on Van Ness way earlier than most people were. And I think it took a lot of people a while to get there, but it's still like there's a range, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I don't, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked if he's at like 10, you know what I mean? But I also wouldn't be shocked if he falls into the 20s. So, you know, that that would be a run to the run the card up. Mozzie Smith is interesting. I was actually just talking about him today with somebody. Uh, and he hasn't gotten an, enough, I don't think, buzz here. And I think it's because he didn't do anything at the Combine. Like, I that bummed me out. Like, if you talk to people around Michigan, uh, some of his jump times or jump scores, I should say, uh, are like Panay Sewell level on the defensive side. And his power is just crazy, crazy. So, uh, hasn't played his best ball yet either. And I think that that's a guy that probably hasn't gotten enough attention there. Yeah, so following up on Mozzie Smith, athletic freak. Uh, ever mm-hmm. since Brandon Bean has become GM, every first-round pick of the Bills has been a top-30 visitor, obviously, minus those two COVID years, so Mozzie fits uh, the profile right. there. And the Bills have four D tackles on expiring contracts. So if it were to be Mozzie Smith, to a Bills fan that's maybe not familiar with the Michigan product, what would they be getting day one? So I think a super powerful head up. I mean, the two-gapper, maybe not so much on day one, but in terms of a guy who can just – play the three tech. He can probably play some nose and just be a powerful early down help against the run plug and play. Like if your role was limited for him now as a pass rusher in terms of like everything, I don't know if it's all the way there yet because the thing with Mozzie was like, it took him, I wouldn't say like two and a half years to figure it out at Michigan. Like at least like he was so raw and powerful when they got him. And I remember I live actually here in Ann Arbor locally. And I remember when they got him and they talked about, 
you know, this guy is going to be a freak. This guy's going to be a freak. And two years, two and a half years go by, and you're like, man, I don't know, man. Like, I can see what you're talking about. But then slowly he starts figuring out how to play his gap. And, you know, Mike McDonald helped a lot with him, I think, who's now with the Ravens. And, you know, last year I think he added some more of his pass rush. So I'm curious to see how much more he can add, but he's definitely an early down stuffer right away. What do you think about the value at that spot, this area of the draft? Because we talked to Brandon Bean last week, and he wouldn't he wouldn't commit to how many first-round grades he had, but he said it's mm. not good. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so you look at the defensive tackle position for the Bills, and one thing he did also, you know, recognize is that they have no de- defensive tackles, their rotational guys, under contract past this upcoming season. There's right. a decision to be made about Ed Oliver and whether or not you want to commit to him long-term. Daquan Jones was a... A, a real like boon for them last year. I mean, he came in and completely stabilized things on the interior and allowed Ed Oliver to play well when he was healthy. Do you think that there's value at that spot, whether it's uh, Mozzie Smith or uh, maybe Kalijah Cansey, if he falls to that spot, or do you think it's like, is there maybe a, a second round and maybe even an early day three type of situation where that position makes more sense? You know, I do think that that's that's a that's a decent spot if some things happen. And like if if not, he's right. Like it gets a little grim if things go the way that they're supposed to go. And then maybe you try to play the board and see if somebody wants to come up and if they like somebody or fall in love with a receiver or whatever it may be. Not You know, Buffalo could also fall in love with a receiver there that falls into their lap. I'm not so sure when that's going to all start. But one guy I thought about, you know, in the 20s around there is. Clemson's Brian Brisset, and I know he has the injury situation, and I know that, um, you know, he was a former superstar recruit who, you know, didn't quite live up to, you know, everyone's expectations for him, but he's also had the -the off-the-field stuff with his sister and then the knee and everything else, and I just, you know, when you really look at the talent of him, he's a top-15 talent that everybody talks about in the 20s, and, I, you know, if he were to fall for Buffalo – I feel like that would fill a couple needs, right? I feel like at least pretty quickly because he can play a few different spots. I think he's one of the more versatile guys. Flipping over to the offense side of the ball because we've talked a lot of defense and the wide receivers in this draft class. One, is there a specific player you think is a great fit for this team? Or is it something where when the Bills get to that 27 range, there's a few guys that they would be more than happy falling into their laps? You know, I do like... I like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Addison with them. I do. I think that they would both be fun with all three of them. Johnston would be too, but but more so the route runner with Josh Allen. As Josh Allen continues to develop and continues to get better, as he will, to have like – Jackson, I don't think he's going to fall, but I don't know that. Like that's the crazy part is these receivers, you know, I've seen people that are super high on these guys and say, oh, that's going to start at like 10 or 11, and I'm like, I don't. I did a thing the other day. I don't think there'll be any in the top 15. That'd be a little surprising to me. I think that you could see, you know, and depending on how people sort them, Jackson would be fun with them, the way he runs routes and the way he would open things up spatial, you know, spatially. And I think Addison is like, to me, a little bit of a poor man's Jackson. So uh, I like both those guys actually with them. And then also the tight ends guys. I think that that would be fun, you know, <laughs> like in some ways. And uh, I look at Buffalo and you mentioned linebacker earlier, like that's certainly a need and they have needs like everybody else, but they're also a really good football team that, has that flexibility, you know what I mean? To just sort of like maybe experiment or maybe just say like, let's make a strength even stronger, you know, in certain spots. We saw staying on the receivers for a moment. We saw for the first time, I think I've seen all draft season, Josh Downs mocked in the first round of the draft. And it was today from Peter King who who mocked him to the bills at 27. And it's interesting because you talk about Smith and Jigba, Mm -hmm. who I think is the perfect 
fit for what the Bills lack in oh, their yeah. offense right now. Yeah. And this is going to lead us to another conversation. But Downs, in a lot of ways, because of his route running ability, especially out of the slot, seems like a nice fit too. But is that too early? Or are you in a range there where it's like, okay, if he's going to go in the top of the second anyway and you don't have any right. first-round grades, how, how much sense does that make from your perspective? Absolutely. Another guy that I think about in the same vein is Zay Flowers. You know, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers are both sort of under, undersized, really explosive football players who know what they're doing. Downs, maybe more so in some ways, with the wiggle and his ability to make things happen after the catch. Um, I mean, I completely agree with that. I think that, that there's a lot of guys in that range. There's some tackles in there uh, and, and those receivers, all of them. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I think it's mentioned sometimes, too, that like they're going to go in, in the 40s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes when we always say that about a bunch of guys, sometimes they go in like the twenties. So like, right. you know, we'll see, we'll see where it all goes, but, uh, I wouldn't hate that either. And I think that that's the biggest point. Like if you don't have a lot of ones, like if you're only at 20 ones and you're at 26 and nobody's there, whatever, just jump the line. Like I'm a big fan of that. Like I, I think some of the smart teams always do that. Buffalo's done that before, you know, jump the line ahead of a bunch of needy teams who are desperate. You're never desperate. Cause I think that they're in such a good spot right now that they can, they can kind of do that sometimes. So is this a year where you think Brandon Bean needs to be aggressive? You talked to the media this past uh, or, or the last week, and he said, you know, if I was Las Vegas, the, the betting odds would be on me trading down, uh, mm-hmm. but I get a little antsy waiting for my draft pick, and I've been known to be aggressive. And sure enough, you know, he's traded up last year for Elam, traded up for Allen, Edmonds in his history, and obviously some right. day two picks as well. Is this a draft class where you want to be aggressive or with only having six picks? Is this one of those drafts where, you know, maybe he should take follow his gut and that Las Vegas feeling of trading down by all means, if possible? I think that it feels like that for Buffalo, that would be the guiding light, except if like whoever, you know, if he's got like two or three of his like, you know, whatever his star system would be players that are slipping and that are slipping into like 18 ish, 19, 20, something like this. Uh, that you're like, okay, like we had him in the top 10 or 12. Like if you, if that happens, and then I think that they're always, because you're Buffalo, you're in a situation right now with the quarterback and the way they've built around him. I think smartly you're, you're in position, you're trying to win right now. So like, if you think that this guy that, that's slipping down can help you get over the hump and fix whatever lacked in the moments that you needed it to be there, you know, and all the things you look back on, like go do it. And I think the Buffalo is in position to do that, but only if like only if, and that's, that's always like something we talk so much about, like in the draft process, and then it never happens. So, like, you know, the betting odds would be to trade down if you can, but you know, always keeping that in the back of your mind that you're not afraid to trust yourself. Uh, if you if you're if you're grading a guy higher than the board is, you know, trust yourself and go get him. I'm gonna ask you for your Gabe Davis take because I feel like everybody's got one. But at the same time, I also want to pair that with the DeAndre Hopkins conversation because there's a hunger in a big portion of Bills fans to go and make that trade because adding another premier wide receiver in this offense, yeah. it's it's interesting. It's fun to think about. You know, one of the things I think that they've really been missing since, you know, late 2021 is that slot presence. They wanted it to be Isaiah McKenzie. It didn't work out. Bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, to me, really muddies the waters of what the offense then is going to be. Um, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just a conversation that needs to be had. And so now you're looking at Gabe Davis, who plays primarily on the outside, Diggs, right. who plays mostly on the outside, but can play in the slot. And then Hopkins, who's going to be an outside receiver too. How do you think that all kind of 
figures out and are they better served to go get one of these smaller guys in a very top end heavy small wide receiver draft yeah man i'm with you because that makes the most the, the, finding somebody who can be for the lack of a better term like a it's not gadgety i don't you know that's the that's like a bad way to say it but like a guy who can be like a first down machine a guy who can be like a best friend for josh allen a guy that you can put in the slot and work advantageous matchups like you know that could be um, you know, Jackson Smith, the Jigba or uh, Jordan Anson, that could be Dalton Kincaid. That could be one of these tight ends, you know, that's really special and freaky. Uh, I think that <clears throat> that's a hundred percent accurate. That's what they're missing in that offense. And that's what sort of, I think sometimes a lot of that gets blamed on Allen for like, well, it's always like, he's got to just chuck it or nothing. It's not, it's either nothing or, and it's like, well, sometimes you look at how they run and it's like, well, sometimes that's all that's there. So you'd really like to see maybe if they could get a really, crafty guy uh, who could run from the slot or work from the slot. And sometimes it is a tight end. So yeah, I, I, I would probably try to get less big and, you know, physical because they have all that, you know, they have, if you want to pay Gabe Davis and Diggs, figure it out, you know what I mean? Figure it out and get a guy inside that can work with them because the way the NFL is moving now, as we've seen the slot values are difficult, but if you get a good one, it's, it's really worth it. I'm glad you brought up the tight end position because this is supposed to be one of the deepest tight end drafts <laughs> in, in yeah. some time. And, uh, you know, the, the Bills last year, it looked like they wanted to run more 12 personnel. They signed O.J. Howard in free agency. They go into training camp. They're trying a lot of those two tight end looks. And obviously, Howard didn't pan out, didn't make the final 53. Is there a player that you think would be a, a great complement to Dawson Knox? Or, you know, Matt alluded to this earlier in the show, Knox's contract, you could technically get out of it after this year if you feel like right. he's not producing uh, at the, the level he's getting paid. Uh, is there someone that you think compliments Knox or is there someone that at 27, if let's just say no tight ends are off the board yet or only one that you think the Bills should really think about uh, taking? Yeah, I think Michael Mayer, the kid from Notre Dame, like that's the one that I keep wondering if he gets by Dallas. But if he does, right, like Kincaid is one that I think is going to need a little bit more time um, and answer a few more questions, even though he might be more talented as a pass catcher. But Mayer will fit with anybody like I think he's. And I think he would fit exactly what we're talking about, like a guy that could just be a blanket for Allen and be a guy that's like, he's always there. You know what I mean? Like if, if we're freaking out and we, if something's not working here or whatever, we can develop something where he is an outlet and he is a guy that's sort of a code breaker that gets you out of bad situations. He will be, when he gets in the league, um, one of the best contest catch, you know, tight ends in the NFL. Like no matter, regardless of age, if you watch, you go back and watch him at Notre Dame, like, not only is he catching everything, guys, but like Notre Dame's quarterbacks weren't great. <laughs> I don't know how much you watched Notre Dame, and he caught all of it. And so this guy's been ready to go for a couple of years. He would be one that if I thought about him too for Buffalo, like if he could somehow get down there, that would be a really cool fit for them. I want to ask you about to throw a couple of prospects at you. You know, Darnell Washington is somebody that a lot of Bills fans are interested in. They love, like the Bills ran a lot of jumbo package last year with yeah. Bobby Hart. You know, so, I mean, yeah. getting a guy like Darnell Washington could really supercharge and put defenses in a bind. When he goes onto the field, that that changes the dynamic of what, what you could potentially do. But I wanted to ask you about a couple of prospects in terms of what you think could maybe be available even at 59 um, in a trade-back scenario or if the Bills stick and pick best player available at 27 and then some of these other players that, you know, I think Bills fans are excited about. So, obviously, the, the, the middle linebackers, Jack Campbell and Drew Sanders are two names that continue to be bantied about. Uh, I mentioned Darnell Washington. Uh, ben, uh, is it Benton out of Wisconsin? I always yep, forget his name. Benton. Yeah, uh, I'm, everything I've read about him, I think I, I saw some one draft expert 
um, compare him to maybe like a uh, Christian Wilkins 2.0, which I think in this defense could be really, really intriguing, whether it's Mm -hmm. next to Ed Oliver or whoever else. Um, And then Brian Branch is a guy that I don't think that there's Mm. really a possibility there, but I want to throw it at you because if that, if the safety slide, I mean, that could be real value for the bill. Yeah. He's another one that I'd say, like we talked about earlier, like a guy that you trip on yourself, turn the card in like that's branch. Like if he were to tumble down that far, I think, that would be one. Darnell is one that I wonder about, like the aggressive teams in the second round. Darnell Washington, like if you could jump up and, you know, because there could be a jockey, you know, jockeying a position for him because he's I think he's a sneaky, way more valuable guy than people make him out to be in terms of like, especially for a team like Buffalo that has a quarterback game and likes to run the ball anyway. Like Darnell is a an extra tackle in so many ways that can run routes and, you know, get open and make plays. Uh, and I think that. You know, so I've wondered about him, you know, being sort of in the middle, if you could maybe make up and make a jump there. And then the one guy you guys have brought up a a bunch or at least maybe once. And I keep thinking about him is Jack Campbell uh, from Iowa. (coughs) Excuse me. I had a cough there. And anyway, Jack is like, I think he's probably the smartest inside linebacker on the board. And if I'm looking at a team that's like, I want to win right now and I want to fill a hole right now and we have a winning culture and we're not we're not waiting on a guy. Like if there's a linebacker in the class that's that, I think that's him. I don't know if I would take him at, in the first round, but again, mm-hmm. like you know, if he's there in the second, and I think I think he will be, but like he's a guy that somebody could fall in love with. You know what I mean? So he's one that I really think would be really good on a winner, uh, a really good team that's ready to go. Like he's not going to have any drag. Those Iowa guys are pretty much mm-hmm. pros when they come out; they're ready. And I think that you know Campbell fits the bill there. Yeah, more on Campbell. Uh, you, you know. First, Sean McDermott said that he hasn't picked Luke Keekley's brain, but is that mm. something that the Bills are most likely monitoring? I mean, Luke Keekley was a Sean McDermott guy, a Brandon Bean guy. Absolutely. Uh, training with him, the due diligence there, uh, the athleticism. So is that something where maybe the Bills didn't bring in Campbell for a top 30 visit, but they're definitely keeping their tabs on him? I wonder, you know, like, I mean, that's, <coughs> excuse me, if history tells us what it tells us, like it, that they haven't, you know, drafted anybody outside of their 30 visits. And that's one thing. But I do wonder, and I got like Campbell, like the, he's another one where like the school of like, where do you land on him is like all over the place. And sometimes where anymore, all these visits come out. Uh, and I think sometimes people leave guys off the list on purpose and just, just you know, like, hey, let's, I'm not, we're not going to do this. Like I saw that. I don't think Kalijah Kansi's taking any visits or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody, and I'm like, is that him? Or is that team just being like, I'm not going to show my hand here. So I've wondered about that with Campbell because he's definitely one that's like, I have the beholder. There's a lot of teams that look at him and say he's not athletic enough. It's the, the you know, the scores aren't quite indicative of what you see on tape. And then there's some that are like, I don't care. He's really smart. He knows what he's doing. That defense was awesome. And he was the heart of it. Like, if you have a winning team, he can fit right away. So... Yeah, I could definitely see that being some one that they're trying to stash and see where other teams think of them, you know what I mean? Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, I'm going to send you out to deep left center. I'm going to hit you a big pop fly here. This is for the, the hardcores. Give me like a, a name or two, thinking through a Bill's scope day three targets that you think would be absolute great fits for what the bills kind of are looking for, whether it be in that wide receiver tight end range, maybe an offensive lineman that people could get excited about. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think here, like what in terms of offensive line, like are we thinking like what, what's the biggest need is a tackle guard or like, are we, 
What's probably the biggest... specifically right tackle? Spencer yeah. Brown has underwhelmed through two seasons back issues. That's um, disappointing. You, yeah, right. Yeah, and you could look for the heir apparent to Mitch Morris, but the Bills do have some offensive linemen, interior linemen that have that center versatility yeah. already. But that's potential too. I tell you, there's two. There's one guy that always stands out down there. That is a tackle that would fit in that uh, Earl Bostick from Kansas, who. Uh, I think Dane has a six round grade on him and he's an older guy that's been up and down. But yeah. He's super long tested really well is really athletic. And I think fits every modern offense that likes to run the ball and play, you know, he can play the right side and get out and sort of block at the second level and help extend, you know, a small thing into a big thing. Uh, Earl Bostick. That's one that I bring up a lot. Uh, I feel like every time I go back to it, like who's a guy that's, you know, I look at like a Jalen Duncan from Maryland, but he's not going to be there. Like he'll be gone, mm-hmm. you know, by day three. But Bostick's one, you know, City So is probably a guard, a kid from Eastern Michigan. I'm not sure if he's a tackle, but there's like he's in that group of guys that are like just a little bit like the tape is a little underwhelming enough to where he could slide. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's and he is athletic. And if you could get him in like the fifth round, I think that's a nice ad that he could maybe compete and help you out a little earlier than, you know, Brown was such an athletic player and it's, it's a bummer that, you know, that hasn't worked out, but I look at guys like that. And for a team like Buffalo, like he checks a lot of boxes physically and, you know, that could be somebody that's hanging around there late. Not so much for late round picks, but obviously we're, we're brought to you by Syracuse.com. There's some quality Syracuse players in this draft class. Is, is there yeah. anyone uh, like a Matthew Bergeron day two oh. range? Is he someone, what can you tell us about Bergeron and then any other of these Syracuse players in this year's draft class? Bergeron is one of my favorite, uh, probably value picks period. You know, I think, and I think he's a second round pick. Like I'll, I'd be surprised if he's still there in the third, you know, look at like him and Van Ness are the two hockey players that are like the two big, you know, he's uh, Bergeron's Canadian, of course. And I think he played soccer and hockey. And, you know, I was just going through his tape the other day because we ran a big feature here at the athletic and, you know, there's not too many guys that can pull off the jump block. You know, he jumps in the air, lands, and still can finish. He's so athletic uh, with his recovery in the run game. Um, there are things as a protector and everything else that guys like that that are, you know, athletes that find football later in life, let you know, still need to work on. But I love his game so much. And then Sean Tucker, uh, the running back, like he's a guy that um, we probably heard a lot too much about him, you know, like sometimes those running backs get lost. We hear so much about them in college. They do so much and they're really productive. And then people just go super quiet on them, whether they don't test really well or whatever. And he didn't have the best testing, whatever. And I don't think he finished as well as he started, but I like Sean Tucker, man. Like he's a super confident guy. And I've one that I like watching his tape. I always seem to go back to, uh, to watching him one way or the other. Great stuff, Nick. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time on draft week uh, to hang out, talk a little bit uh, of draft from a Bill's perspective. Let everybody know where they can find your work and what you got cooking this week. Yeah, guys, uh, just at uh, on Twitter at Nick Baumgartner, N-I-C-K-B-A-U-M-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And then on The Athletic, uh, we've got all sorts of stuff later in the week. I'm sure we've got live coverage uh, all week long, podcasts, everything else. So check that out and go get the beast, Dan Brugler's uh, draft guide. It's worth the uh, sub alone for sure. Seriously, it'll get it'll get you to draft <laughs> night. Just you know, pick out you know a chapter. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, go by position, and you know it'll get you to the summer. <laughs> it's there what you it'll go. do. It'll get- <laughs> it will. Nick, yeah. thanks so much. Take care, my friend. You bet, fellas. Anytime. All right, um, we are cooking here, Ryan. We got one more segment to go. I didn't even tell you about this, but producer oh, Anthony is making his debut on the podcast tonight. You know why? 
big Jets fan. Uh-oh. Big day, big day for the Jets. Bills fans are going to be kind to you in the comments. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, they're going to love me. We're going to be best friends. Going to be best friends. No, Anthony's been killing it, uh, uh, producing the show the last couple of months. Uh, kind of wet, letting him get his feet wet before we brought him on for the first time. And I thought, no better day than today, my friend. What's up, guys? What's going on? Not too much. Why don't you Why don't you tell us? What were you, what were you thinking about the... You know, I, I thought the Packers did very well with what they received for Aaron Rodgers. Was that more than you thought the Jets were going to give up? Were you happy with it? What were your thoughts on the initial uh, trade compensation? I, it's about what I expected to give up because they are the New York Jets and they are in desperation <laughs> mode. And I do think the New York tax and all that and, and all the major sports is a, is a real thing. So they are the Jets. And listen, was it a desperation move? Yeah, because they're the New York Jets and they don't they haven't had a consistent quarterback since. Do we want to say Sanchez? If it's not Sanchez, it's not it's not Chad Pennington. It's not Vinny Testaverde. It's probably Joe Namath. Joe Namath is the last New York Jet to play every single game as a quarterback three consecutive seasons in a row. So mm. just chew on that. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think the value is fine. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a second and a second that could turn into a first, right? I know. I think I don't know if it was. You, Matt, or Ryan, when you said that, like, you don't want to mortgage your future on Aaron Rodgers, but is that mortgaging your future just a second and possibly a first next year? So, yeah, he's going to play 65% of the snaps, right? Like, that's the that's the cutoff. That's the cutoff. Um, I, think, I think that that's, you know, what I, what I more meant, too, about mortgaging your future more so than the draft capital is the time investment. Like, if we're talking about two seasons of, you know, average Aaron, who is what, mm-hmm. who is, who's he, that's who played in 2022. Let's be honest. It wasn't great. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 89 to 92 quarterback rating for the most part last season, the touchdown to turnover or to interception ratio, probably the lowest of his career. And listen, he set a high bar. He was the MVP of the two seasons before he's 40 years old. He was ready to walk away from the game. What's he been doing all off season? He's playing golf. Is he talking to his man, uh, who, who Nate Nate Hackett uh, over in New York? They got the offense ready to cook. He's going to have some talent. Listen, Garrett Williams is is the real deal. Um, I think they're getting better on their offensive line. I'd prioritize that at fifteen. You'd probably get yourself a real a day one starter there at that spot, depending on where you want to go. Um, and they're going to get Elijah Vera Tucker back, and who knows? Maybe with Makai Beckton, we already know what they have on defense. It's to to your point. It's a move you have to make. I, have to. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if they don't win the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl, their franchise at the other end of this is going to be back at square one. And there's the danger of being good enough to where you can't build your roster the way that you can in terms of like flipping things like you can you can get rid of some of the older heavier contracts, flip it and try to find a quarterback and rebuild. And then there's also the question is, do they have the 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 people in place? from a um, GM perspective, front office perspective, coaching perspective, to find a quarterback and develop him. So this might have been the best uh, path forward anyway. I think it was because, like, what else? Like, I just don't know what other option they have. And it's like you have this win-now roster, right? You have the best, arguably the best defense in football. You have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You honestly had two offensive rookie of the years if you include Brees Hall before he got hurt. They would have had the three best rookies in the NFL. You have the best defense in the league. You have Garrett Wilson, you have Alan Lazard, you have now have McCall Hardman as well. 
And I guess if you want to include Corey Davis in that bunch, that's a legit receiving group. Like that's a legit receiving group. You have the weapons, you have Brees Hall and Michael Carter in the backfield. You know, Conklin and Uzama are good veteran tight ends. The offensive line is a little shaky. Um, like Lake Lake and Tomlinson was not great last year, but you you have pieces. And I think if you use 15 to either pick a receiver or an offensive lineman, I think you're in a good spot. Now, listen, it is Super Bowl or bust. And this is eerily similar to Brett Favre in 2008. But again, what else do you have if you're the New York Jets? Like, I'm petrified of of him getting hurt, and then this all you know blows up. Do you yeah. still have your yeah. Brett Favre Jets jersey or no? Oh yeah, Store it's out. like a yeah, it's like a youth small. Yeah, I have it somewhere. Oh, it's youth small, nice. Well, you know the old Reebok jerseys where they get oh, kind yeah. of scratchy and like yeah, it's one of those. It's one of oh, the old boy. mesh Reeboks. Um, oh, yeah. But I, they had no choice, so I do like it. I don't think they, you know, you didn't give up the house for him. Um, the contract is scary, but I am hearing a couple people saying that they might restructure the deal, which would be huge for them um, because that contract is terrifying. Like, what is it? Like he's making over $100 million over the next two years? Like it's it's scary. It's like 60 this year or something yeah. like that. It's, and it's, it's scary, but the team isn't a joke for the first time in, in forever. I see Thomas in the comments says, Rodgers keeps the Bills honest and laser-focused. The Jets are formidable. No joke. They're not a joke. They're a threat in the AFC, you know, for the first time in a long time, really. And I think that does, you know, speak to what this trade did. Obviously, is it ideal? Does it help you long-term? Absolutely not. But um, the hungry dog runs faster, and Joe Douglas kind of had no choice. So he pulled the trigger on this, and I think he kind of had to do it. Yeah, and listen, I think Joe Douglas's job is going to be based on how this turns out in terms of whether mm-hmm. he keeps his job as GM as good as his draft was last year. Uh, I don't want to downplay it too much, but he, you know, he, he had Sauce Gardner fall into his lap at three because of the Texans uh, going another route at corner, and he had Garrett Wilson fall into his lap, and um, his other drafts have not been as good. So now you look at Rodgers, and if Rodgers does not pan out, I think Douglas is looking for a job elsewhere. So I get it. You know, they whiffed on Zach Wilson. Uh, this is a surefire plan to upgrade the position where you feel like you have a lot of the other pieces there. But his job is definitely on the line here, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, I see another comment from Trey saying, you're going to get a Rogers jersey. I have not bought a Jets jersey since Darrell DeRivas because I'm smart. Uh, got very close with Jamal Adams. But, you know, oh, back minute. that, that would have been an all time yeah. like <laughs> That like strikeout looking type of move, like that is atrocious. Jamal Adams, although he had like a minute of, I guess was he in, was he in the Rex Ryan defense? No, no he like was early Bulls. in his career, he was Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, okay. Um, yeah, there was a minute, but yeah, you never want to get a linebacker's jersey. Like, wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Jamal Jamal Adams, yeah, uh, um, the man. I just want to say one more thing, just putting it out there. Tom Brady's last pass with the New England Patriots, interception. Next year, goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They win the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers' last pass with the Green Bay Packers, interception. Comes to a new team. Could be destiny, guys. All I'm saying. 10-7 and seven wild card. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, got that, it's got that written <laughs> no, all over no. it. It's got that written all over it. But I'm, I'm too desperate, so I'm clinging on to every <laughs> No, I love it. You're the first person I ever said that I've ever heard say Jets and Destiny in the same sentence. So cheers. That's great. Like, I'm excited for you. Like, I can see you're charged up about this. And 
I'm 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 excited for you and and Jets Nation because they need some happiness. Like every time we go down to New Jersey, and like we gotta like find the stadium, like and it's like in the middle of nowhere, and you're like looking across the water and you see the beautiful city where they supposed to be playing, and you're just like, why? Like the Jets fans have to go here every week. They gotta trudge over to New Jersey and like experience yeah. that, and it's like. Ugh. So like, this is great. Like I'm excited for, you know, grandpa Rogers to come in and uh, get you pumped up. I'm sorry. I had to talk a little trash. Hey, listen, I had to talk hey, a little trash. It, it does well for the brand too. You had one primetime game last year, which was obviously a mess. Ah, that's a great game. point. You're going to, I think Adam Schefter said they can get up to six primetime games this year. So Ooh. listen, Woody Johnson's got to do something. No, he's, he's pumped about it. Did you see Woody tweet? Yeah, he's fired up. You like that? Do you like that? Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's Kirk Cousins' impression. Yeah, I mean, do I love him? No, but right now, okay. we're mean Woody, all right? Right. All right. Final thought, Ryan Talbot. Final thought, Bills Mafia. Stick with us. Busy, busy week here at Shout. We'll be with you almost every night this week. Uh, some late, late nights, early mornings mm. following the Bills draft picks on Thursday, Friday. Uh, and then, you know, a little earlier on Saturday with day three of the draft. But uh, stay tuned, stay locked in, and we look forward to talking all things Bills and their draft picks. You gonna be able to hang for the late nights, Anthony, Thursday and Friday, or you have to call in, like come in, in the morning, follow up the next day. We usually go live about one, two in the morning, depending on when the draft ends. Take a Red Bull, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Thomas Burke, welcome aboard, Anthony. Great debut, man. It's great, great takes. Um, more to come. Uh, he's Anthony DeChico. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino, the Shout Buffalo Bills uh, football podcast uh, brought to you every month by Wing Nuts. And we're going to be back there on May 20th, our next live show. Uh, I can't wait for that. Mark your calendars right now so that you can plan for it. If you're local, just come out on a Saturday night. It's a beautiful time. The weather's probably going to be beautiful by then. Watch, I just jinxed it. And then um, if you're out of town, you want to make a little trip in, you want to build a, you know, a weekend around it. We have, we've had a few fans do that already, and it's been awesome uh, meeting them, talking some bills with them. It's a great time. Wing Nuts, May 20th, Saturday night, 7 p.m. See you there. Take care, everybody. See you soon. We'll be right back on Wednesday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.